Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, Dr. Charles Habib Malik, and he was from Lebanon, from Beirut, he was an avowed Christian. And he distinguished between social needs and spiritual needs. And this is what he said, quote, The socializing of the gospel is a tremendous danger today. This does not mean that there are not objective social truths and problems which need to be dealt with. But it is very easy for modern man to crucify Christ again on the cross of social betterment and regeneration of society. And then he set out this order of priorities. First, quote, first, Jesus Christ himself. Second, confrontation of human souls with Christ resulting in acute sense of personal sin, unworthiness, then repentance, then faith. Third, improvement of amelioration, improvement of society, and introduction of justice and economic development. And he concludes with these words. I can lose myself in social service, and I'll do lots of good, but if I thereby lose Jesus Christ, my social activity will do me no good, even in the last judgment. And that's quoted in Christianity Today, 1968. So, to care and show this look, feel, think, act kindness that means to bring redemption, as God said in Luke 168. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And then in Luke 178, Luke 178, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, King Solomon, he gave us a very important way, very important application of this uh, look, feel, think, act kindness. And, and it's found, and if you like, turn to this one. This is important, Proverbs twenty four eleven. Proverbs twenty four eleven. This is King Solomon. And he gives these words in, in Proverbs twenty four eleven, And it's a warning in Proverbs 24, 11, it's a, it's a warning, and it's a sober warning. It's a serious warning, and it's something we can do in our lives. And he says here these words, Proverbs 24, 11, if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? What's this saying? What is Proverbs 24, 11 through 12? What are these things saying? It's saying we must rescue those that are being led away to death. And if we say something like, we didn't know, we knew not, 
we know nothing about it. We don't know anything about it. God, who has saved us from death, he'll repay us if we don't try to stop the condemned from dying. See, it's telling us this. This is Proverbs 24, 11. It's telling us we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to look, feel, think, act, kindness to the lost. And it says there, he that keepeth thy, it says in the verses, he that keepeth thy soul doth not he know it. It means God is seeing if we are on the lookout for the lost and hurting souls. God sees if we look. When it says in Proverbs 24, 12, he that keepeth thy soul doth not he know it. It means God sees if we feel, if we are feeling the hurt of the lost. God sees if we feel. When it says that, in Proverbs 24, 12, it means that God sees if we are thinking of how to bring the saving message of the gospel to the lost. God sees if we think of how to help the lost get saved. When it says that, he that keepeth thy soul does not even know it, it means God sees if we are going forward with what we have thought of on how to help the lost to get saved. God sees if we're holding back or we're going forward. He sees if we act on what we have thought of. And when it first says this, shall not he render to every man according to his works, it means God will repay each person according to what he has done to get the lost saved. When it says, and, and then when it says in verse 12, we knew it not, it means that we are responsible to look at the desperate condition of the lost. It means that we cannot plead ignorance. It means that God will repay if we fail to look. It means that we cannot we, we cannot say we didn't know. When it says with such passionate language, drawn unto death in verse 11, it means we're responsible to feel the anguish and the pain of despair in the lost. We're responsible to feel. It means that we, we, we cannot be insensitive. We cannot be unmoved. We cannot be unconcerned about the lost. It means God will repay if we fail to feel and when it says in Proverbs 24, 11, it, to deliver them, it means we are responsible to think of how to deliver them. We are responsible to think. It means we cannot be indifferent. It means God will repay if we fail to think. When it says, if thou forbear, in Proverbs 24, 11, if thou forbear, it means we are responsible to act for the deliverance of the lost. We're responsible to act. We, it means we cannot be lazy. It means God will repay if we fail to act. See, Proverbs, 11, Proverbs 24, 11 through 12, means we will have to answer for the lost we have avoided in our witness and in our prayer. This verse is here in Proverbs 24. It means that we are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's Never commit the sin of Cain, who had to, to cry out with blood on his hands. In Genesis 4 9, am I my brother's keeper? No, you're your brother's murderer. We are to be our brother's keeper. To not bring the redeeming message of the gospel to the lost is to hate the lost. John Hagee claims to love the Jewish people, but when John Hagee says Jewish people are automatically saved and don't need to be saved, that's hatred to the Jewish people. That's the hatred, that's the hate, that's the Cain attitude to, of not being his brother's keeper. My Hasidic rabbi friends always tell me, they look at me and they try to bring me back into the Jewish fold. They always tell me, it's okay for Gentiles to believe in Jesus, 
but you should not because you're Jewish. What are they saying? What are they really saying by that? I'll tell you what they're saying. They're saying this. We definitely know that Jesus is not the Messiah. And they're saying there's no question Jesus is not God. It's definite that Jesus is not the way to heaven. He's a deceiver. And that's why they tell me that I as a Jew cannot follow Jesus. But it's okay for the Gentiles to. It's okay for the Gentiles to follow Jesus. See, when they're saying those things, they're saying, it's okay for the Gentiles to be deceived into thinking he's the Messiah, to believe that he is God, to believe that he's the way to heaven. Even though my rabbi friends tell me that without any doubt that he's not the Messiah, not God, not the way to heaven. And they say, but it's okay for the Gentiles to be deceived and commit idolatry and to be cast into hell. Let them, but not the Jews. Don't let the Jews be deceived, commit idolatry, be cast into hell. It's okay for the Gentiles to be cast into hell, but not for Jew. For them to not try and rescue the Gentiles from what they believe is deception that will cause a Gentile to be cast into hell is hatred of the Gentiles. And it's just as much a hatred as John Hagee's hatred of the Jewish people by not trying to rescue the Jewish people from dying without the Lord Jesus and being cast into hell. Preaching the gospel to the lost by looking at the lost, by feeling the lost condition of the lost, and thinking how to bring the gospel to the lost, and then bringing the gospel to the lost, that's love, that's kindness, that's loving your neighbor as yourself. And God will hold us all responsible if we don't, each one of us, preach the gospel to the lost by looking at the lost, by feeling the lost condition of the lost, by thinking of how to bring the gospel to the lost, and then acting to bring the gospel to the lost. We will be held accountable to show this look, feel, think, act, kindness of bringing the gospel to the lost. That's what I do all the time. I am trying to think, how can I bring the gospel to the lost Jewish people? Right now, we're looking for a place for some of our missionaries to live right in the middle of the Orthodox Jewish community up in Los Angeles. We're thinking, I don't know, but God is helping us and he's saying no, sometimes yes, but anyway. But you gotta do something. This is what these verses are talking about in Proverbs 24, 11. There was a practice in Solomon's day. There was a practice, and it was like, and this was the practice, and this is what he's referring to in Proverbs 24, 11. When a man was being led to his execution, he was being led to the gallows, what happened was that there was a herald that went out with the procession, with the man, and he loudly shouted, publicly proclaimed, this man is condemned to death. And if anyone has any evidence to prove the innocence of this condemned prisoner, he needs to declare it now at once because that evidence can prevent this death penalty. On the other hand, withheld evidence at that time was construed as murder and therefore subject to judgment by God. Every lost person is condemned and the Bible and the Holy Spirit, they're the heralds. They're the ones who are shouting and declaring that this person has the eternal death penalty on him. And whoever knows evidence, it's our responsibility to step forward, proclaim, we have evidence that will save this prisoner's life because the Lord Jesus Christ died for his sins. I have evidence he died for his sins. That prisoner does not have to die in his sins. Just take the Lord Jesus as a savior. Prisoner can be saved from eternal life. That's our responsibility. We're responsible to not do what Adam did when he blamed Eve for his sin and what people have been doing 
down since then, men and women uh, making excuses. God does not let us off the hook, for he knows our hearts, he reads our motives, and we're responsible for the indifference that fails to see, that fails to look at the human need of being lost. We're responsible for the insensitivity that fails to feel the, the, the human need of being lost. We're responsible for the ignorance that fails to think about the human need of being lost and what can be done. We're responsible for the laziness that fails to act to remove the, the human need of being lost. When we say, we knew nothing about it, we didn't know anything about this, no one is going to believe us. Leave alone the all-seeing God. We live in a world where the, this human need of being lost is like an open book all around us. We have above all the witness of the word of God. We have the witness of the spirit of God. There's no excuse for ignorance. We can easily, we can very easily not look at the lost. It's easy. We do that, we're a closed person. We can look at the lost and easily not feel their pain. That makes us an insensitive person. We can look at the lost and feel their pain, not think about how to bring the gospel to them in deliverance. That makes us a pessimistic person. We can look at the lost, feel their pain, think of how we can bring the gospel to them, not bring the gospel to them. That makes us a lazy person. We can look on a lost person. We cannot feel their pain. We cannot think and just bring the gospel to them by rote. That makes us a mechanical robot. You know how tense it is in an elevator? Elevators are a tense place, especially when there's a lot of people that get in there. You feel this tension. You know, everyone's trying to ignore everybody else and pretend like nobody's in there. You know, in an elevator, no one looks at anybody else's eyes. No one talks to anybody. No one touches anyone. Everyone just looks forward and acts like they don't see anyone else. It's really something the way this happens. It's because anyone in the elevator, they have this invisible sign on them, and it, and it reads, no talking, no smiling, no touching, no eye contact. <laughs> you just can't wait till the door opens up. I remember the time I was with Pastor Jim and we got into this crowded elevator together. The door shuts. He turns to everyone. He does the totally unacceptable. He asks the question, is your trip going to be, is your last trip going to be up or down? <laughs> what did he do? He looked at the lost. He felt their, lane, their pain. He thought of something to say and then he did it. God wants us to feel. He wants us to show. He wants us to show this kindness. And he's saying to us, will you look? Will you feel? Will you think? Will you act? And he's doing everything in the Bible. He gives all these examples. He even puts this practice in the animal world. A college professor told how one time he had two dogs. He had a very large dog and a very small dog. And then this college professor, he would often take walks with his very large dogs. And he liked to walk in the mountains and, and there was this one stream. And his very large dog was very agile. And the dog loved to jump across the mountain stream by jumping from rock to rock, which this dog could do. So on one occasion, the professor took along with him, both his very large dog and his very small dog along on a walk. And the very large dog was so happy to have the little small dog walking with them. It was really happy, happy there. And on that day, the larger dog broke his tradition. 
His he broke his tradition of jumping from rock to rock across the stream. And instead, the large dog walked way up the valley to a small bridge where they could both cross together. You know why he did that? That large dog, and we're talking about a dog, but that large dog looked and felt and thought and acted. See, he looked at the inability of the smaller dog. And the larger dog felt the anguish and the fear and the danger of a smaller dog trying to cross the stream. And knowing that the, the smaller dog could not jump, make these jumps from rock to rock to cross the stream, the larger dog thought there's a bridgeway up there that the smaller dog can use to cross. And so he acts on that. The larger dog acts on that. He brings the smaller dog up the stream. And that's why he did that. Why did he do that? If dogs can show kindness to other dogs in their need by looking, feeling, thinking, acting. Do we have an excuse? Can't we show kindness to the lost in their need of salvation by looking, by feeling, by thinking, by acting to bring the gospel to them? To care, to show this kind of gospel kindness to the lost is to have a heart that's in tune with God. Not to care, and, and not care, and not show any kindness to, is to have a heart that's not in tune with God. And Paul said this, he said, Romans 9, 1 through 3, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart. I could wish myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, he's talking about the Jewish people. That's the start of the three chapters on the Jewish people, those first three verses. It's the heart of Jewish evangelism, which is to look, to feel, to think, to act. I mean, here was a man who was prepared to go to hell rather than shirk his responsibility to win his fellow Jews to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a kindness. This is the kindness. This is the essence of kindness. This is the substance of kindness. Paul was speaking about the Jewish people, and God especially wants to encourage people to show this look, feel, think, act kindness to the Jewish people. It reminds me of a friend of mine, Rusty Gouin, who's a missionary to the Jewish people. Just talked to him yesterday. And his ministry lately has been going around to pastors around the world and try to get them to see the need, to feel the need, to think how to bring the gospel, and then to do it to the Jews, as it says in Romans 1.16, to the Jew first. He was recently down in Panama. He was telling them about this special blessing to bless the Jewish people from Genesis 12.3, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. So this last week, uh, he, he called me yesterday, this is last week, he was in the city of David in Panama, right on the coast. And Rusty had done his homework and he knew there were 35 Jews there. And so he went down there and he was meeting with the pastor and trying to get the pastor to, to accept Romans 1 about to the Jew first and try to encourage him to bring the gospel to those 35 Jewish people down the city of David in Panama. The pastor was reluctant to go to the Jew first. And he was telling Rusty, he said, look, you know, I have an orphanage and I have needs of my kids. I can't be worried about the Jews here. And Rusty said, no, no, God will bless you. He said, no, no, no. He says, I'll tell you what I really need. He says, I need some fish. I need some fish to put more protein in the diet of my orphans. And if I could just find a way to get those fishermen, when they get their excess fish, to, to give it for meat for my orphan kids. So they were having this discussion, and Rusty and his pastor friend were, 
We're at the Subway restaurant, I guess called restaurant, Subway place, eating, in this place, City of David in Panama. And there was a, there was a long line. They were waiting for a table. It was very crowded. And they heard two people speaking. They were speaking English, had southern accents. And so they, they both lived there. And Rusty found out that, that one of them was Jewish. And so Rusty invited them, you know, come over, share a table with us. And Rusty told him, you know, well, what his job was. And he brought the knowledge of God to Jewish people. And, and he spoke about the Lord. And the pastor was spoke. And he says, well, he has an orphanage. And he needed some, so really needed fish, fish meat for his orphans. And the one man said, well, you know, I operate a sport fishing company. And often the sport fishermen, you know, they don't want the fish meat if it's any way damaged. And he said, so you can have the fish meat to the pastor if you just come and pick it up. And then the Jewish man said, well, I'll pick it up for you and I'll drive it to your orphanage. <laughs> and so afterward, Rusty said, showed the pastor, you see what happens when you put the Jew first? <laughs> you focus on showing kindness to the Jewish people by blessing them with the gospel, and then God blesses you with the fish for your orphans. And also keeps bringing the Jewish man to you. I'll bless them that bless thee, Genesis 12, 3. God is for us when we do this. God is for us to show this Look, feel, think, act, kindness. But to neglect this is very dangerous because it's neglecting the gospel kindness. Shall he not render to every man according to his works? It's a repeating common theme throughout the scripture. It's our accountability in a day of reckoning for what we've done or failed to do in relation to the lost. The Bible says in Romans 14.7, Romans 14.7, none of us liveth to himself. No man dieth to himself. We fool ourselves if we think we're isolated islands. We fool ourselves if we don't see how we are also bound up with the human family. Our joy is gonna be when we're able to look into the Savior's face and say, Hebrews 2.13, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. The day of reckoning that we're gonna have to answer for is how have people been affected by our witness and work? We're going to have to answer for the people we avoided. We long to hear the Lord with to say these words, which are like the sound of music. In Matthew 25, 23, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done for what? Well done for looking to the lost, looking for the lost, and looking at the lost who need the gospel. Well done for feeling the need of the lost for the gospel. Well done for thinking of how to bring the the gospel to the lost. Well done in acting in bringing the gospel to the lost. So as we now, right now, today, we look back over our lives. We just think, look back over our lives and, and, and we just can't help but recall people that we've avoided to bring the gospel to because they were strangers, they were beggars, they were even people, another race, or we just didn't want to go to the trouble. They're gone. Some died. How we need to search our hearts and say afresh the words of the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. That's the first commandment. The second is like to it, Mark 12, 30. Second's like to it, namely love thy neighbor as thyself. Let's vow. Let's vow today. Each one of us is gonna set ourselves to bring the gospel of the lost by looking, feeling, thinking, and acting. So no one can ever say to us the words of Psalm 142.4, Psalm 142.4, I looked on my right hand, behold, there was no man that would know me. 
Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. When it comes to loss and the gospel, God's going to hold us responsible to look, feel, think, act, kindness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being our pattern, looking at our need, feeling our need, thinking of how to meet our need, and then acting to do it. Help us to be like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.